On today's episode, you know the old saying, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. But now we're saying people who live in glass houses shouldn't keep a ghost prison in their basement. Yep, we're discussing the 2001 remake of 13 Ghosts and its song Mirror Mirror by Raw Digga. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who won't survive? Who'll be next to fall? It might be today, it might be tomorrow. So until I get the call, I'm gonna say I did it all. Yeah, 13 Ghosts has an original song. Hey, it surprised me too. Ready to dive in? Let's start the pod. Welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. We're celebrating spooky season all month long over here by shining a light on those creepy movies and movie songs we love so much. I'm your host, Sophia Matano, and joining me today is my co-host. He just inherited a house and he's really excited to take a slow motion bath. It's Paolo Grassini. Hey, Paolo. And our guest... He finally took a break from riding his Razor scooter through his haunted house to sit down with us. It's writer-director Hiram Sanchez. Hi, Hiram. Hi, it's great to be here. Being barely able to enunciate all my lines as Bobby. Yeah, yes. (laughs) God bless him. Yes, and having the spikiest hair the world has ever seen. You kind of got like a Bobby hairstyle going on, I gotta say. You just need some transparent glasses and you'll be like, oh my God, it's Bobby grown up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually go to Home Depot, get those clear shades, and then that's my Halloween outfit. Is that, and the people are going to be like, who are you? I'm going to be like, I'm Bobby from 13 Ghosts. You don't get it? Pleb. Done. Hey, Done. shit. You just <laughs> identify the most like easy Halloween costume you can get. Just go get some of those like transparent glasses at Home Depot. Oh, I'm just like looking at ghosts in 13 Ghosts. You know, just walk around. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta put like little like LED like lights attached oh, to yeah. it. And then just go like, whoa, oh, my <laughs> God, be careful behind you. What, what are you talking about? I, I already do that at Home Depot. So that's, I just gotta wear the glasses. Yep, yeah, fit right in. Yeah. Well, Hiram, I know we got you for our Aquaman episode. And even though that was directed by James Wan, I'm glad that we got you for one of the proper Halloween episodes. As scary as Aquaman was, it's official. We got you on a spooky Uh, episode. Official. Yes. (laughs) Official. I'll I'll shoot myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that I should just do this film synopsis so we can get right into discussing this movie. Fuck yeah. 13 Ghosts is a 2001 supernatural horror movie directed by Steve Beck in his directorial debut. It is a remake of the 1960 film 13 Ghosts directed by William Castle, who was well known for directing B-horror movies. And he also produced the classic psychological horror film Rosemary's Baby in 1968. I learned about this guy on the research, and I'm just going to say, this guy seems like my type of guy. I am all for like... He is a hoot. I'm all for, I'm all for like in theater gimmicks. I I love that kind of stuff. There's a movie called uh, from the early 1990s matinee and Jock Goodman plays like this exactly type of character. And oh, I heard about that. Mm. Yeah, that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love that kind of stuff. It's just like in the theater or gonna, you know, like showmanship. I, I just love that, that showmanship aspect of it. So yeah, props to this guy. Yeah. We need a greatest showman sequel starring 
you know, focusing on William Castle is what I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that would be awesome. I'm not joking. That would be a pretty sick musical, actually. Yeah, because then also (laughs) the songs would be some kind of like dark, creepy, like, uh, Sophie, this is great. Let's write this. Let's let's write it. Yeah, right okay. Now. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Dibs. Dibs on that. No. No one. No one copy it from listening. To Watermark. This. Right. Watermark. Also, yeah. we know. <laughs> we know exactly what production company to go to pitch this to. Quickly back to the setup. The film we're discussing today stars Tony Shalhoub, Matthew Lillard, and Beth Davids, Shannon Elizabeth, and F. Murray Abraham. I thought her name was Elizabeth Shannon for a moment, and I googled. I think you know what. It can, you can do it either way. <laughs> well, you would appreciate this, Sophie. Maybe. I don't know. But I think there's a like a true crime serial killer, Elizabeth Shannon. She like killed her husband or really? stuff like that. I don't know. But it was like a very, very big mistake on the Google. As you know, one murder does not make, does not a serial killer make. True. So. True. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just. That's I'm, just the first step of a serial killer. I'm not such a, like, exactly. a master at true crime as yourself, but. So which one of those people is Raw Digga? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Raw Digga needs to play her in a movie. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> okay, so um, here's the plot of the movie as best as I can in one go. Ghost hunter Cyrus Criticos leaves his house to his nephew Arthur and Arthur's two children in his will. Soon, the family discovers that the house's basement is a prison for malevolent ghosts, and they are being systematically released by the house's inner ghost-releasing machine. Now Arthur must save his family from the ghosts and escape the house. Yes, we're still following. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. Don't yeah, we yeah, all have yeah. a ghost-releasing <laughs> yeah, machine course, in our house? Of like, course. yeah. You know, when I go on Zillow, that's the first thing I look up. <laughs> yeah. where, where, yes. where can I fit my, I need like an extra bedroom to fit my ghost machine. And my and my nephew's dead wife. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> 13 Ghosts was released on October 26th, 2001. It opened second at the box office behind K-Pax. That's that Kevin Spacey <laughs> one where he's a psych patient. Wow. And he thinks he's an alien. Yeah. Slow week at yeah, the box second. office. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, reviews for this film were mostly negative. The production design was praised. That glass house was pretty impressive. Uh, but it was Delicious. criticized for basically everything else you could think of, but particularly for its lack of scares and predictable plot. The film had a $42 million budget and made basically that much domestically, but raked in a total of $68.4 million worldwide. Some theorized the movie would have performed better had it not premiered just after 9-11. The theory there being that audiences weren't really in the mood for a ghost story, which is valid. In 2005, Roger Ebert included the film on his list of most hated films. We at The Song Will Go On are not strangers to that list, having done an episode on I Don't Want to Miss a Thing from Armageddon. And I personally am going to make it my goal to watch every single one of those movies. Yes! Forget the AFI 100. Yes, (laughs) This is my list. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. This is is the energy I want. This is my Everest. Yes! I'll be your Sherpa through this journey. Thank you. AFI stands for Artsy Fart Sniffer Initiative. (laughs) I yes exactly exactly maybe we can make this a bit maybe I'll I'll put some reviews on Patreon or something 
Let's do it. Bring in, bring in the news back to present day. In August of this year, Dark Castle announced that they're developing a 13 Ghosts into a series that would what? explore more of the lore. Yeah, where where the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let, let's get into discussing. So yeah, there's a lot to cover here. <laughs> um, Hiram, I'm first going to pass it to you. What is your relationship to this movie? <laughs> okay, okay. 13 Ghosts was like the first like solo horror movie I ever watched. I think like I watched horror movies with my parents before that. Like I watched The Ring and stuff like that. But this was the movie like I, I found. Like I think I was just like flipping through the channels on my grandfather's uh, cable network. The thing is, is that I watched it right after my grandma died. And so my grandfather would just like sit in the room as I watched 13 Ghosts all the time. And I watched it like every day because it was always on. It was on this block of like after school. So I would go home, do my homework and sit and force my grandpa to watch 13 Ghosts. Was he crying in the (laughs) He wasn't crying. He was just like, I didn't, I was like a kid. I did not, I was not aware of it at all. I was like, oh, cool. I love these gross looking ghosts. And then my mom picks me up and she's like, hey, you shouldn't be watching 13 <laughs> Ghosts when when Papa is grieving the, not, the loss of his wife. And I was like, but I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, I just want to watch a movie. And then looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was pretty tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you were like, I hear you, but no. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm going to do me. <laughs> I, we all grieve in different ways, right? And exactly. for me, it's yeah, watching exactly. 13 Ghosts a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hold it really close to my heart because um, mm-hmm. it just reminds me of just of one, that awkward moment where my mom's like, you can't keep doing this. <laughs> and, the sec- <laughs> and the second thing is like, oh, like all these cool ghosts. Like I remember wanting to be the jackal for Halloween and it was too intricate for my mom to make an outfit for it. So I was just a mummy. <laughs> She was like, Vito, you get mummy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you'll be a mummy. And even that was difficult. There was so many, it was, it was too much. <laughs> um, Paolo, how about you? What's your relationship to this movie? Yeah, I've seen this movie a couple of times. You know, I saw it, like Hiram said, like flipping through channels. I didn't go see this at the movie theater. Here's the thing, though. Before we watched it for the pod, I thought about this movie as a scary movie. And then I watched it in prep and I was like, okay, where did I get that idea from? I have to say, it is way more fun than I thought of. This movie has 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, critic, and then audience. Almost 1% for ghosts. That's a sweet spot. (laughs) (laughs) Almost 1% for ghosts, true. If you you include the cast, I think you get it to 18%. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I, I think that's harsh. I think, honestly, like, I've seen stuff with 60% that I feel like I enjoy 13 Ghosts more than that. Like, the movie knows what it is, you know? So, mm-hmm. it's not trying to do more than what it does. I think it's, like, a good sort of... It's a fun movie. I think it's... Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a movie that tries to be more fun than scary. And I think, it, I think the movie is just meant as, like, a good time... You know, kind of like this, like scary popcorn film that you can just kind of like, I'm in the mood for ghosts, but I'm not in the mood for like exorcist type of shit. You know, I don't want to be like for legit scared or, or some something like that. I just want to have fun and want to make fun of the cast and stuff like that. I just want to, you know, you just want to. It's, it's a talk over movie, you know, it's a it's a talk over yes. movie. I thought it was really fun. Like I, I would rewatch this film. Me too. 
I did many times. Well, so yeah. <laughs> did you know? So did you know about this movie before the pod? I definitely knew about this movie when it came out because I remember the poster vividly of the the screaming face. I think it's uh, the daughter and her face is made up of pictures of all the ghosts. And it really stuck out, particularly at the video rental store I went to. True. And when I was yeah. a kid, I would walk past the horror section, even though I knew I couldn't rent those movies. But I was just like, oh, I'm just going to walk past on the way to the family section and like kind of peer at all the movies. <laughs> this one always just really stuck out to me. And I had that morbid curiosity about it. Do you know what movie was like that for me? Silence of the Lamb poster and Blockbuster. It's a fantastic poster. The, perhaps my, one of my favorite posters of all time, but it used to scare the shit out of me just by walking through it on Blockbuster. I'd be like, what, what is that? I'm not ready for that. But hell no. Totally. Do you guys know what, what movie scared me? What movie? When I was a kid at Blockbuster also, before we were demoted to Hollywood Video Family, there was this um, Coneheads box art for the movie Coneheads and I could not handle it. It was so eerie and wrong and it was in the family section which was the fucked up yeah, thing. Yeah, I know. I would walk, yeah. yeah, I would walk, I would see the, the box art for it, shit my pants screaming down the aisle. To, the, to this day, Coneheads are still like, I don't, that's not right, that's not good. So Hiram, we recently watched Coneheads yeah. and then I think about a couple of days ago, I, I, I said something to Sophie and be like, oh yeah, like Coneheads. But I also like, I was listening to a Conan O'Brien podcast, like just minutes before. I don't know. Her reaction was really weird enough to, for me to explain, you know, like, like in the movie Coneheads that we just watched. <laughs> and she's like, I thought that's what you refer to like Conan O'Brien's fans. Cause you listen too much to his stuff. <laughs> I was talking about like, oh, us, the Coneheads, you know, the Conan O'Brien friends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, so, am, do I listen that much to Conan O'Brien? On you kind of do. Yeah. It's all connected. Man, it's all connected, oh, leading up to this moment okay, to part with Hiram. <laughs> that is the funniest was, podcast noise I've been I was, I was Oh, we're leaving that, that in. Bleed through. So there's this car that comes down to my neighborhood and it delivers like fruits and vegetables to like all the old people in my neighborhood. Yeah. And they just open it. It's a van and it's just full of produce and they all kind of like hobble out. They all come out of the bushes and out of manhole covers and they buy vegetables and they go back into their holes. But it always <laughs> plays this fucking clown song. This clown <laughs> horn. And I'm like, I'll be like in very important meetings forgetting that I have my window open. And I'll be like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, let me just get that email to you, blah, 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 blah. And then like you just hear that horrible horn. And everybody's like, where do you live? And like in the carnival? And I'm like, no. Please take me seriously. <laughs> Don't fire me. <laughs> oh yeah, don't God. fire me. You know, I, I relate. <laughs> I, in my grandma's house in Puerto Rico, there used to be a guy who drove by slow motion. It was like a van, but it was open and it had just like literally the produce right there for you to like, you could take it and run. And he would, he would have one of those like intercoms and then he would just go like, Tengo banana, papaya, blah, 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 blah. He's just like, like rap, like spinning bars, but with like the stuff that he has. Blah, 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 blah. And then he's doing the Migos flow. Yeah. And then he's like, I got, you know, tengo, tengo papaya, banana, guayaba, all the fruits. And then at the end, he, he would end the, the bar with like, dime lo que hay aquí. You know, sort of like setting himself up to like say it again. I got that. 
<laughs> oh my god put that on a, put that on a beat loop it yeah. let's go honestly oh, yeah. I think send I, it to raw digger yeah. <laughs> you're gonna want to hear this raw digger please <laughs> oh my god okay where are we um yeah yeah we're talking about a very very scary movie no um <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah. This episode is a, a bit of an accident coming together because I saw that poster, you know, we were going through Max or whatever it was, and I saw it mm. and I was instantly transported back to Little Sophie in the video store. And I was like, Halloween's coming up. We got to watch it. And I think <laughs> I probably could have handled it at the time in 2001. <laughs> like, I don't think like oh, I was way. very shocked at how unscary this movie was i think paolo you were being a little bit kind to this movie when you were saying oh but they're not going for that like i kind of think they were going for that and uh missed missed the mark with uh the the scares unfortunately but there was so much lore and actually i'd be super psyched for a tv show based on this lore because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of it and it's in the special features of the DVD and there's all this stuff online. And then next to none of it is in the movie. I mean, 13 ghosts, that's a lot of ghosts to put in a movie and give screen time to part of why the scares weren't really working for me is because we see so many ghosts constantly in the bright light of day all the time. And it's sort of like the jaws thing where you, the anticipation of it is scarier than when you, but you know, like not seeing the shark is just is just as scary. So mm-hmm. when you delay it out, it gets even scarier with the anticipation. And it's just like there's a ghost, there's a ghost. You see it all the time. And hey, props to the practical effects and the, all of that makeup. It looks awesome. Maybe a little a little hokey sometimes, but they look really cool. So I get wanting to show him off, but also the more I see that hammer man, kind of the, the less hammer. I'm afraid of him. But the jackal <laughs> is sick. Like, I think everyone agrees that the jackal is like the coolest one. Is the coolest one, but for some reason the juggernaut is like, oh my God, it's the juggernaut. And the juggernaut is just someone's cousin. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is does he is he the one with the baseball bat? No, that's the other guy. That's, that's the torn the torn I agree with you that like I'd be excited for a TV show because on paper I like I like what this movie is, like the premise of it. Like 13 ghosts, they each have their unique backstory. It's kind of almost like a little bit of like seven, you know, like you have like these like vignette stories. Like so yes, I I I I wanted to know more about that that's one of the things i wish the movie would have just like explore more on on the ghosts uh, i think i even have more fun with some of the youtube videos that i found where like people took the time to de- dive into backstories of the ghosts and i was like this is fun i like the idea of having a whole cast of characters of ghosts i thought the you guys want to talk makeup because i think like that's like one of the main things yeah. to talk about this movie but makeup is so good yeah yeah i i, I flip-flop whether it's good or bad. I think I'm in the good, but in a good and a fun way. Again, once I stop thinking about like this movie's trying to scare me with the makeup, it's more like, oh yeah, it's cool. Uh, you know, like ah, even even the hammer guy, I'll be like, Yeah, I could, you know, that's it's cool. It's cool. It's like the haunted house effect where it's like, you know, when you like go through a haunted house and you stop being scared and you're like, that looks really cool, you know? <laughs> wow, well yeah, done. Yeah, it's because you're bombarded with them constantly and 
I know what they're going for with this glass house. They're going for the anti-haunted house. They're trying to subvert the expectations, you know? So instead Mm -hmm. of being an old, dark house with things hiding in corners, now it's like, oh, there's light everywhere and everything's glass so you can see through everything. But then Mm -hmm. I'm kind of getting exposed to the scary things more than I want to be. So while I enjoy being able to see the makeup and appreciate these characters, the more I see them, the less scared I am. Well, it's because they have the glasses on. So anytime they wear the glasses, it's like, get ready for a spook. Yeah, true. That's right. The glasses give it away. That's a really good point. I think in the hands of a different director, the same ingredients, I think, would have yielded a better result. Something more subtle. Again, like, imagine if, like, Fincher did this movie. I could see it working really well. Like, really being... From the creator of Seven comes 13 Ghosts. <laughs> the second installment in its numbers trilogy. Yeah. Holy shit, I... Like, yeah. hey. Well, let's hire you for the marketing on that movie. Done. Done. There you go. Yep. That's your... That's, <laughs> that's your hook. Would it have been a doper movie if it was all about catching the ghosts? Like, that opening sequence because that was like dialed up to 100 and then it's like now let's see this sad family <laughs> so dang i think that's a really good idea that scene was insane to me because you have poor Ma- matthew lillard giving 11 out of 10 in every instance yes. and then a truck full of blood comes over <laughs> i actually wrote down in my notes was it a trunk full of blood you gotta be shitting me is what <laughs> my and the horn movie. and the horn sounds exactly like the guy who walks by your neighborhood exactly <laughs> but yeah it was so like and it's 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 because, again back to the juggernaut i'm never gonna like let go of how much the juggernaut is such a disappointment because you have all these dudes just being like thrown and like torn apart by just a tall gas station attendant. And there's nothing, there's nothing scary about him. You look at the hammer, you look at the jackal, and they're like, oh no, it's the juggernaut. And it's like, where's, make him scarier, please. Like you have one that's objectively terrifying. He has a, a cage on his face and his hair yeah. is all like this. And then like the juggernaut is like just a guy with bullet holes in him. I mean, that's not that scary. P- put a MAGA hat on him. There you go. Ten times more scary. <laughs> yeah, got it. There it is. <laughs> Just fucks Done. Oh, no, this racist ghost is going to kill me. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> this, this racist ghost that wants to build the wall. <laughs> exactly. He's going to build a glass wall with Latin on it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do like your idea. So, I mean, I, I, I don't want to fall in that trap of like rewriting the movie. But if you were to go hunt the all the ghosts like each ghost would have their own setting like sure you miss the glass house but i think you also get something really cool i don't, I like the idea yeah because the exciting part of the movie is the ghosts right like it's not so yeah. much this family even though yeah like the, the, yeah we don't Shalhoub. we don't care about their loss at all <laughs> that sequence where they're showing the uh the credits on the screen and it's slowly panning through the house and you hear the sounds of his wife like oh happy life and then his wife dying in a fire that scene was so long it was the longest intro credits ever like and also like nobody does like a dead what every dead wife speed through is like a Xanax commercial or like a Valium. Yeah, it does. It's always like, yes. <laughs> we're happy. Like, no, just be happy. Yeah. They have to like keep saying, I'm so happy. I am content. Like, yeah. You are, <laughs> yeah, like you're definitely on ketamine right now. <laughs> you know what? I almost prefer that long ass sequence 
to like a depressed family scene where everyone is super expositional and is like, well, ever since your mom died. <laughs> ever since inciting incident. You yeah, right. Motivation. You guys want to talk about our hero, Matthew Lillard? I got two heroes. It's, it's Lillard and Raw Digga. Those two carry oh, yeah. this fucking yes. yeah, thing completely. All of their scenes together were what made the movie. I wondered if like if this movie, if this movie and Scream together got Lillard the role of Shaggy. I told Sophie something before the pod and she reacted like confused. So Hiram, I need you to be like settle this. But I have on my note, Matthew Lillard is a master of saliva while acting. <laughs> he uses it's such a great tool for him your laugh validates me i'm thinking that you know what i'm talking about his his lips are constantly moist with saliva yes. he's always got a little bit of spit on his chin he's he's a, he's a messy boy in particular that scene in scream when he's like my dad's gonna kill me or whatever and like mm. the spit a spittle the bloody a spit oh it's spit. so good oh yeah even it's the so the scary movies make make fun of that you're like don't move mm. i'll be right back and just like spitting <laughs> okay <laughs> but even in this even in this okay, movie every I time see it. i see every, it every time he has a vision he goes like oh, and drops to the floor and just like oh yeah i know what exactly what to do on this scene do you think there was a water boy on set that was like, oh, I got to get in there, Matthew. Hey, have some water. All right, we're good. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's talk about Raw Digga in this movie a little bit. We touched on her a bit earlier. Yes. Um, she is definitely grounding Everything. this movie. Her and Lillard are really bringing it, I feel. Oh, yeah. They're bringing that special, that special fire that we all crave. That scene where she has the glasses, like they, she and Lillard only have one pair of glasses between them. So she's telling him how to dodge the ghost. That was pretty dope. Yeah. I like that setup as a as a sequence. I didn't know she was a rapper. That's how I think solid she is. I have no idea. When you said, hey, there's a cast member in this movie that's a rapper. And she has an original song. I was like, you're shitting me, right? Like, no, you want to do it? I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I did not know that there was an original song. So when I heard that song at the end, I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> Wait so a minute. We lucked out. I was completely unaware. Like, I watched the movie so many times and I always like, for some reason, I didn't remember that Raw Digga was in it at all. And then I didn't know that. I also didn't know she was a rapper. And so like, I was coming into this viewing completely unaware of Raw Digga's existence. And then I was so grateful for witnessing her, her charm and everything on this thing. I was like, I was, I was blind and now I can see, yeah. you know, I was graced with Raw Digga. Yeah. She's so good in it. Why doesn't she act more? She was so good. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. She had a couple more things. MTV's Carmen, a uh, hip hopera with Beyonce. You guys remember that? Am I taking you too back? No. What, what do you say? It was a movie, an MTV movie. Uh, Beyonce's yes. Pride Sophie first acting role was... Yes, so we actually need to make an amendment to our Beautiful Stranger episode where we briefly talk about how Beyonce's first role was in Austin right, Powers' yeah. Gold Member. Strike that from the record. It was actually Carmen, a hip-hopera. Should have been that Gold was Member. Her first you, know, you know I didn't come empty-handed. Of course I got a clip of Rodiga in that movie. From Q U E, precisely. Yeah, Yo, you that brother that I always see on MTV. I ain't copy album, got it off the MP3, but it's hot though. Take it from another MC. That's what I'm trying to be. Sure. 
Wow. That's the early aughts, if I ever heard it. Yes. <laughs> I got it of the MP3. I love that uh -huh. one. I love her voice so much. Like She has this like great like rap voice. Yeah, absolutely. We've already started talking a little bit about Raw Digga, so I think we should probably get into the song section. Let's go. All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough ghost talk. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to make a very natural and not at all forced pivot <laughs> to 2000s hip hop. Cool? All right. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back. Everybody gather around like the ghosts gathered Ooh. around their big ghost machine. We're going to talk Mirror Mirror by Raw Digga. Let's set this up before we start discussing. Mirror Mirror is a 2001 rap song written for the movie 13 Ghosts. It was performed by Raw Digga, who played Maggie in the movie. It was co-written by Raw Digga and Megahertz, who also produced the track. Raw Digga is known for being the first lady of Flip Mode Squad, a New York-based hip-hop group led by Busta Rhymes. Her debut album, Dirty Harriet, was released in 2000 and featured Busta Rhymes and Eve. It, it's actually a really great album. If you guys are not familiar, please check it out. It peaked in the top 20 of the Billboard 200 and reached top three of the top R&B and hip-hop albums chart. The standouts from that album were Imperial, featuring Busta Rhymes, Break Fool, and What They Call Me. Two thousand one continued to be a busy year for Raw Digga. Not only did she have Thirteen Ghosts come out, but she appeared in the televised concert Michael Jackson thirtieth anniversary celebration. She performed "Heal the World" with Deborah Cox, Monica, Tamia, and Maya, and contributed an original rap verse. I got whiplash. Man, the tone of that song changed. It really instantly. did. They were yeah. like, it was very like kumbaya. I was like, ah, and then she's like, no, the world I was is like gripping up. Like, Let Whoa. me tell you about it. Yeah, by the way, the, that entire concert just keeps cutting to Michael Jackson with Macaulay Culkin sitting next to him. It's Great. just like, why? Why was this just accepted? Wow, wow, it holds up. Oh. No, no, not a not a blemish on this at all. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, though her music releases haven't been completely consistent throughout the years, she had multiple award nominations from the BET Awards, BET Hip Hop Awards, and MTV Video Music Awards, particularly for her notable contribution to the 2006 song Touch It Remix from Busta Rhymes featuring Raw Digga, of course, Mary J. Blige, Missy Elliott, and DMX, among others. Turn it up! Now we hopping on a jet, he ain't wasting no time, told me all his bitch paid any place I could find, hit the islands in the winter, tricking all on his dime, ain't a shorty in the world, better than mine. 
fun. And now we can talk a little bit about Mirror Mirror's producer, Megahertz. He was a legendary hip-hop producer. He was number three on Vibe Magazine's list of 10 most valuable producers in 2003, and Billboard Magazine described him as a powerful producer. By the way, perhaps my favorite name for a producer. It's pretty good, yeah. just like Hall of Fame for a cool name. Like, it's so good. One of his breakthrough hits was Diddy's 2001 iconic song, Bad Boy for Life. All I remember from that was like, is that the guy from Blink-182? That was my reaction in a Puff Daddy video? Yeah, uh, Dave Navarro's in it too. So actually, uh, well, first of all, that song was Grammy nominated, certified four times platinum. It was a major hit. But back to the... Travis Barker and Dave Navarro of it all. Megahertz was a very creative producer who was known for using genre-bending samples. In some of his other songs, he really appreciated that rap-rock blend, which we can hear in Bad Boy for Life. But uh, case in point for the genre-bending samples in 2001, again, real busy 2000, everyone's having a very busy 2001 in this episode. He produced Nas's Got Yourself a Gun, which samples Woke Up This Morning, which was the Sopranos theme song. I got mine, I hope ya. You from the hood, I hope ya. You want beef, hope ya. And then at the height of his career, Megahertz dropped off the scene. But with just those two songs that we mentioned, he's earned his spot in the hip hop history books. As for Mirror Mirror, though, I'll let you two decide. So let's discuss. Yeah, that's that 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 keyboard. I don't know, man. I, I hear the beginning of Mirror Mirror and I feel like I'm playing a RuneScape again. You know what I mean? It's just very crunchy. I and like yes. flat. <laughs> let's go. And there's no ghost lyrics at all. No ghosts. I was looking for ghosts. Yeah, she really I mean, I guess there is the theme of death in there. So it's sort of related to what's going on. But I think she really was just like, well, this is my song and I'm going to sing about what I want. And yeah. it's not ghosts. Maybe this is like a like a like a little bit of sequel into Rodiga's character. He survived. She survived the ordeal. And this is her state of mind Ooh. going forward. I mean, like, I'm done with this nanny shit. I would have never thought that. I'm going to be killing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, now this is a Raw Digger song. Hell yeah. One of the things that we talked about, Sophie, you mentioned on that Deep Blue Sea episode that we recorded previous to this, but it'll come out later, is the subgenre of soundtrack songs we uncovered, the, the end credits rap song mm-hmm. that usually sort of recount the mm-hmm. story or the plot of the movie. From my research with Rodriga, which I didn't know about her before okay. this, it seems like she really is an underground rapper. Like she is from the underground hip hop scene. And Will Smith was just doing Men in Black, Wild Wild West. Like those were the end credit rap yeah. song. So I can see a world where she was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to do the commercial things. You know, I want to represent like what I am, hip hop underground hip-hop, this scene, and I'm just going to do mm-hmm. my stuff. So I think that's 
might be the train of thought, but then, but then Eminem comes with lose yourself pretty soon. And, you know, yeah, yeah. But then I think maybe it was lose yourself that sort of pivoted things in a more like artistic direction when it comes to an end credits hip hop song. Like they weren't like, we're not going to just joke about like Adam's family, even though we've done an episode on the Adam's family groove with MC Hammer and we do love and appreciate that song for what it is but yeah i think he started taking it in another direction so we can give rod digga props for not being like sure i'll just list all the ghosts in this song <laughs> which i would have which also taken that someone yeah. else could have done yeah mm-hmm. it would be like a wu-tang clan like like a roster like we got the juggernaut we got the hammer. Yeah, we got yeah, the yeah. <laughs> They all sound like Wu Tang Clan member names. <laughs> they actually do. You're right. <laughs> the first, the firstborn son, inspect a deck. <laughs> yeah. Firstborn son. That's a great rapper. That's what name. That, yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's right there. Hey, hey, if yeah, you're a rapper and really you're listening to this, just him. watch Thirteen Ghosts. Fucking spin a wheel, whatever one it lands Pick on, one. there you go. The torso, <laughs> that's sick. Even yeah. Angry Princess, that's a great one. Yeah, that that's all. If you're, yeah. Oh, was that the was that the booby ghost? Yeah, the booby ghost, <laughs> the titties ghost. Yeah, <laughs> we're all faking. Her name's the booby ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's what she's there for. You know, it's like we gotta uh, get something to the pervs in the audience. So yeah, if yeah. you're if you're a rapper or exactly. if you're a wrestler and you need a name, thirteen ghosts. That's what you do. Yep, just pick one. Doesn't matter which one. So I think we're all in agreement. We had no clue that this song existed no before clue. the no podcast. Clue. Yeah, and honestly, I've been in a really cool journey through the research of this. My first impression was, oh, this isn't like that great of a soundtrack song. It's not memorable. Doesn't have for my taste, enough melody in it, mm, you know, forgettable. And then I started like really, really deep diving into Rodiga, her career, her influences, what she represents. And I'll say this, I came to a place where I actually really have respect for this song because even though that's just my personal taste, I'm a very melodic person. And even when it comes to hip hop, I need catchy melodies or at least really catchy beats to hook i don't really listen to lyric this is a style of hip-hop that's all about the lyrics the rhymes like the bars Uh yeah and that i just don't respond to that kind of hip-hop but again just deep diving into her career her influences like she mentions uh queen latifah one of them she's molded her career in that way like you know female rappers it's a very direct strategy when you're not trying to use your image as part of it meaning like i don't know like a little kim who was contemporary like more like a sex appeal part of it in the equation radiga like she not that she couldn't do that but she just wasn't wasn't interested in that she was all about her mc skills like her body works she really emphasized yeah. she felt mm-hmm. like she was like a student of that like she talks about like going to like hip hop, starring hip hop at like nine years old, then starting to go into concerts in like 12, 11, like really young, like her love for the genre and the art of MC really, really made me appreciate 
sort of like her music career, her style. Mm -hmm. And then when I listen to the song with that in mind, like even if now, if I put on Google Mirror Mirror lyrics, it's pretty impressive. The storytelling, you know, the amount of information, the, uh, it is like, again, it's not like a listening experience that I gravitate to, but I can absolutely see how other people gravitate to. And, you know, if, if, if that is, if that's your cup of tea, like, I think, yeah, I think this is a solid song. Totally. Well, I can say that this, this style of hip hop is sort of what I gravitate to most. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I am. I'm a, I love lyrics and uh, she is a master of lyrics. Maybe not as much in Mirror Mirror as her other work. To be honest, me picking this song was sort of just an excuse to be able to talk more about Raw Digga and not so much about this song. Because <laughs> Spreading like, the gospel. Yeah, honestly, because I feel like she... She hasn't got her flowers. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so, because I think that she was definitely known in the New Jersey, New York scene. You can hear that influence in her voice and her rapping style that she's yeah. absolutely from the East Coast. And she would have become a nationwide celebrity if her second album had come out. So I just, I did a deep dive on this Lost in Quotes album of hers. It was called Everything is a Story, and it was set to be released in 2004, but it was shelved. And I tried to figure out a little bit more about the reason behind that. I think it was just record label bullshit. Um, yeah. Luckily for us, though, all of those tracks leaked. So if you're a fan of early 2000s hip hop, I highly recommend checking this out. Like it will transport you right back. The album is a who's who of R&B and hip hop from the day. She's got Mary J. Blige wow. on there. Fabulous. Snoop Dogg, Ghostface, Eve, Missy Elliott. I mean, She's even got Pink, Pink on one of those songs. Yeah, it, it's a super cool song. I think the only song that was released from that album as a single was Party and Bullshit, which of course borrows from the Notorious B.I.G. song of the same name. <laughs> what a great way to get out yeah and uh, i highly recommend anyone listen to that song because it's not just the biggie parts that are the best you know like the whole thing mm -hmm. is full of amazing liners like i beat that bitch with a bat amazing she, amazing fantastic. she talked yeah. about she talked about that song I, I think it was that song that you know she was telling the story of her second album and you're right so it, it did get like lost got lost in translation with the whole record labels like she was sort of like part of closely linked to Buster Rhymes and the Flipmode squad yeah. and Buster Rhymes just like was really jumping around record labels in that uh decade and she just kind of just became caught in the line of fire with that and her second uh -huh. album but like she said she had like she even had like Pink you know at that time was was a huge artist like that mm -hmm. album was like poised to kind of be like the commercial success and even she talks about that this song was being played by radio DJs, even with any like promotional push from the labels. Like they were just like, you know, they were asked, like, this is the thing that you're going to make a music video. Like, is this the one we're going to push? And they started and then that fallout with the record labels happened. And she literally, she says she had like a hit song on the radio with no music and nothing to back it, you know, no resources to like push it. So just like then the momentum just like 
went on. So it's it's a bit of like, what if, you know? I know. it. I really think that she would be up there with like the Eves and Missy Elliott's if the second album totally. would have been able to to come out at the time. So yeah, her her releases have been pretty sporadic over the years. She did another version of this album that she released many years later. Um, I'm not quite sure about the connections between this, what came out in the old version. But luckily, I mean, thank you, internet. We have it fully leaked so you can find it. It's not going to be on Spotify, but you can find it out there. Again, going back to her skills, uh, like check this out. This is just her freestyling. I birthed the future generation of chicks. Bunch of mini me's running around. Black, white, Asian, a spick. Acting all loose and cocky, dressed like strippers. Get them in the booth, they slob. I respect that skill so much. Like, I don't even have 1% of skill to do that. My mind freezes. I mean, even sometimes, let's be honest, podcasting, I just like get stuck in track. Like, the fact that someone can do that, I find it baffling. I find it insane. Oh, yeah. I can barely read off a piece of paper, let alone (laughs) do that. I can't even order on time at like a norms. Like, are you kidding me? Again, it's it's not like something that I want from my like music listening experience. Uh, But still, I can appreciate the art form, especially when, again, I just can't hear lyrics. I just don't hear them. So if I don't hear lyrics, like 90% of it just goes to your brain. If I sit down and see what's happening, I go like, oh, damn, you know, but there really do be a story here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. Yeah. She's got such a strong, like powerful, like cadence Mm -hmm. and like this. It's just such a full wall of just like confidence. You're just like, fuck yeah, Rod, do it. Do it. Hell yeah. I'll be on the sidelines. You do do whatever you want to do. I'll be here. It definitely makes sense that she's aligned with Busta Rhymes because they sort of have a similar delivery Mm. style. Ooh, I didn't put that together. Just that power behind everything they say. Yeah, Yeah. that power behind it. Totally. You could totally hear that. Yeah, that's Mm. the thing about Busta Rhymes. What I did really like about his music, even though, I mean, look, I don't know what he's saying for for real. (laughs) He's so fast. But he had a cadence and like a melodic approach to his rapping that still, even though I couldn't absorb the lyrics, the way that he structured things was almost like mm. he was doing percussion with his with his bars. Yeah. Yes. So mm. it's sort of like musically, I was I was able to like jump on board with that as a music uh, listening experience. But it's like the way that he like hits like consonants so hard and like. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it plays with the way that like, anaphora and alliteration to, to create that sort of natural linguistic rhythm. And he, and he, and he you know, plays with that and he experiments with it through all of his, uh, through, his through his raps. It's phenomenal. So, so if you, I think you started talking about this in the movie section, but I found a really cool rabbit hole I want to share with you guys. But the relationship that hip hop has with horror. Mm-hmm. Yes. They touch on this in that horror noir documentary, actually. So yeah. that's really interesting. That, so that's what I thought you were going to go. And I thought I knew about this relationship in terms of like, oh, yeah, a lot of rappers star in horror movies. You know, you got, especially in that era, Ice T. I think mm-hmm. Ice T, I think it does Leprechaun, uh, Ice Cube, mm-hmm. Ghosts of Mars, Jim Carpenter, I mean, Cool J, Deep Blue Sea, Buster Rhymes, Halloween, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg yeah. Does Bones. Uh, Rodrigo. So there is a trend on this, but also like I saw that there is um, 
a trend about just horror movies catering also to like black audiences, like Blackula. Uh, remember Vampire in Brooklyn? I remember that. Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. uh, Tales from the Hood. I mean, Leprechaun in the Hood. Even the uh, even the scary movies, the spoofs, uh, yeah. which I love. Mm -hmm. The soundtracks for those are like just great hip hop soundtracks. But this is where things get really interesting. Do you guys know what horrorcore is? Yeah, I think I understand it the way that like someone's parent would. It's like <laughs> a, a more like a, like a not spooky is the wrong word, but kind of like a more like horrific sort of soundscape i guess i remember early in part of the creator's uh career he was associated with horrorcore yeah yeah they kept having okay. to say, like i'm not horrorcore yeah i remember uh yeah so horrorcore is a subgenre of hardcore rap uh it delves mm -hmm. into like horror themes such as death violence slasher films satan worship it, it goes by the name of horror rap or death rap uh horrorcore's lyric frequently reference horror films violence human sacrifice, cannibalism. Like you said, many horrorcore tracks are built on foundation of like sins, samplers that evoke fear and dread. Uh, some of the leading hardcore rappers I found were Gravediggers, Esham, I think it's pronounced, Insane Clown Posse, The Ghetto <laughs> Boys, 3-6 Mafia, uh, gang mm -hmm. Gangsta, NIP. I have like a couple of few, uh, it seems like it started in like the late eighties, which also Sophie, this is really interesting, but, and I don't want to give away our deep blue sea episode, but it's really tie into the rap and credit song. It's like goes kind of like hand ah. in hand, those two things. Okay. So check this out. I'm going to play a little bit of like some horrorcore examples. Until I noticed those rips in my sheets and that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street. That's uh, Will Smith and DJ Jesse Jeff. Oh, man, I Love that. I think that's Ghetto Boys. Assassins, yeah, that's Ghetto Boy Assassins. That's Esham, I think. Yo, deadly, deadly, yeah, get ready. Here comes the styler, wilder yeah. than Freddy. Dead. Cause the Fuga, boom, I do ya. Just to let you know, grave diggers coming to ya. So yeah, those are like from like Will Smith and stuff with the, on the 80s and then mid 90s. But Which by the way, that was a rejected song for a Freddy Krueger movie. Oh yeah, Nightmare on My Street. Yeah, it was it was a rejected <laughs> song. I think it was for the fourth movie, which mm -hmm. it coincidentally was directed by the Deep Blue Sea director. And again, so many tie-ins. Yeah, that one's such a fun one. Sorry, that 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 song's just such a fun like monster mash sort of vibe. Like, yeah. hey, it's 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 Halloween. We're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, horrorcore is really interesting. Uh, of course, they're like it has like some controversy because. The, the DJ Jesse Jeff one is like a playful one, but there's also like lyrics that try to be horror movies in terms of like trying to like scare or like really gruesome stuff. Stalking. And yeah, and then people be like, oh, those lyrics are too violent and all that stuff. It's like, but it's trying to be like, like a horror movie. It's being violent on purpose, not for, you mm -hmm. know, like a horror movie, horror movie would be violent on purpose. 
I did find out that one of my favorite rap songs, if not, I think it's my favorite rap song of all time, dabbles in horrorcore or is part of that a little bit. I'm going to play you. Boom, 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 boom. Now tell me what you gonna do, but it ain't nowhere to run. When judgment comes for you, when judgment comes for you. Now follow me, Hell yeah. Sorry, I had to play two clips from this. It's too good. It's too good. Instead of keeping up with family. Exactly. How many days we got lasting? Are you laughing? We're passing, passing the And this is this unlock like it just brought something together for me because this music video used to scare the shit out of me when i was a kid when i was nine years old i would watch this and now that i know it's like part of a genre that it's kind of supposed to do that it's taking it's borrowing elements from a horror movie and putting it into the music that's interesting that it's being related to horrorcore because i it feels like a tribute song yeah it has it has mm -hmm. it has elements it's not like straight up horrorcore but it has like elements yeah. like their album uh eternal has like the supernatural element to it like it's you know horrorcore can be again it's like horror movies you can do slasher you can do supernatural you can do ghosts you can do satan stuff so they're mm -hmm. sort of like on the supernatural thing but that's that's why it's okay. so good it you can say it has elements just enough to be like oh yeah it's 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 borrowing stuff from the horrorcore genre but also it's relating to like you can read that song without any type of acknowledgement of horrorcore or any of those elements mm -hmm. okay very cool mm -hmm. well i uncovered a real gem in the hip hop horror movie world while doing research on radiga so radiga is credited in an amazing movie called De Hip Hop Witch. It's a <laughs> direct-to-video Blair Witch parody featuring hip-hop artists like Eminem, Ja Rule, Mob Deep, and Vanilla Ice, among so what? many others. It is on Tubi. Do with that information what you will. I am definitely not God recommending that you watch it because it is basically just a dude with a camera <laughs> like like <laughs> filming whatever he wants and and he's getting all of these hip-hop artists to kind of do some improv about their experiences with the hip-hop witch and it makes how, little how to did no he get sense. these people in there great question i, I don't think it, it sounds like it <laughs> like, was like tmc tmc style kind of like hey 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 what's the uh what's your relationship <laughs> with the hip-hop witch and they're like you could talk you know you know the hip-hop witch wink, yeah. wink, 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 wink. <laughs> well the main reason why anyone would talk about this movie is eminem he filmed it when he was just coming up on the scene and he really exploded in popularity when this movie was about to come out so it was sort of a they lucked out that they got eminem to be in this when he would have agreed to something like this so his people tried to get his yeah. part taken out, but they totally used his popularity for this movie. They put him on the poster, like huge. <laughs> yeah, and, he's on the cover. <laughs> yep. And you know what? I can see why he they made him the standout of this movie because he really put a lot into his performance. Here's a clip of him explaining his uh, 
encounter with the hip hop witch. I looked in the mirror, my pupils, yeah, my pupils were like this. Yeah, I had ashtray pupils from drinking the hot butter. You know, and um, she tried to stick her finger up my ass. Yo, B, that's my fucking word. She tried to stick her finger up my ass. Did she get it in? Nah, she tried. But I was like, yo, you're bugging, you're bugging, and the fingers were like six feet long. Eminem does butt stuff. <laughs> he really, he really sold it. Like it goes on to another scene where he's screaming and breaking down. He's like, don't fuck with the hip hop witch. He starts crying. They start consoling him. Like this should have been the Emmy nominated, or I'm sorry, this should have been the Oscar nominated performance. Like forget 8 Mile. He really brought it in this one. Honestly, doesn't he have like a lot of like good, like comedic performances and like, movies and stuff like that yeah i think it's just his level of commitment to the bit <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. he just sells it a lot of the other people in the movie are kind of joking around like oh yeah i saw the hip-hop witch and like oh she's crazy and like whatever but like eminem like really like put himself in that role <laughs> so mm -hmm. um yeah because i think he has a i think he has a really good scene in um funny people like there's like a really funny scene with him and funny people. Oh, um, and also that I always this isn't his performance, but I just think of that Weird Al interview where Weird Al interviews Eminem, but he just edits a video where Eminem is just saying always ends what he's saying with you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and then Weird Al just like starts screaming like Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually it was funny in the hip hop which someone says like Oh, so yeah, I was talking to. So and so, and there and there was this kid Eminem, you know, like explaining like that no one mm -hmm. would know who he is. And who Eminem and is? This comes out, and he's just like a massive superstar. So <laughs> you really get the slim shady. You get the dye, the bleach blonde hair of this. Like I, mm -hmm. I'm not recommending anybody watch it, but like if you if you do that, that's up to you. But you'll probably have an okay time. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> you got time to kill. Isn't yeah. Rodiga in this movie too? Yes, that's why I brought it up. So yes, Radiga is in wow. the movie. She briefly just talks about her encounter with the hip hop witch. Also, the there's footage of her doing, like she's basically doing a concert in the mall, and then so, the guy whoever whoever <laughs> made this movie is just recording the concert. So it's like they, I don't know if they, <laughs> if they just happened upon From her like and were a... like, oh great, we can put this in our movie or what? But like yeah, so it's just like, found footage. He's like from the second level of a mall, like super far away, voyeuristic yeah. recording. And he's like, I got her. She's going to be in my movie. <laughs> like, I got footage of her. I got to ask her about the witch. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I think that they, I don't know if they lucked out or if they went there and then they were like, oh, we got to get Rodiga to, to say something on camera. But anyway, so she, she talks a little bit, but it is mostly cutting to this concert of hers that just happened to be in a mall. You know, I've all I've heard about stealing shots before, but I didn't know that you could just steal shots and then try to force a movie out of those shots. Yeah. You know, like some half-assed yeah. like collage work, like a half-assed vision board. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna edit my own version of the Twiller Swift concert and sell it to AMC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk other Raw Digga movie songs? Because she has others. 
I know almost nothing about Raw Digga still. <laughs> I mean, I'm learning a lot okay. now, but I you you could you could tell me Raw Raw Digga did Jingle Bells, and I'd be like, "What? She does? I didn't find any." <laughs> oh, she does. Uh, she does Gangsta Queens, and that is original to the Blade Two soundtrack with Groove Armada and Trina, and it appears in the credits. This does not represent the vibe of Blade 2. I'm just saying I know that really well. <laughs> well, okay, let's try another one. To keep kind of with the spooky theme, she did Feel Me with Rampage and Rock for Scary Movie. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary movie. So yeah, she's. I mean, more to 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 Paolo's point about all of these rap songs in kind of scary horror movies. She's appeared in two already, and then and then Thirteen Ghosts is the third. So then here's this one's a little different. She also was on Come Get It with DJ Hurricane, Lord Have Mercy, and Rampage, and that appeared in the 1999 film White Boys. Yeah, that was it. And that album peaked at number 145 on the Billboard 200 and number 50 on the top R&B hip hop albums chart. And oh, oh, and then the single reached uh, 73 on the hot R&B and hip hop singles chart. So, you know, a little bit of success there with that one. And it is actually a really fun song. Dang, she had a lot. I didn't I didn't find any. The well of raw digger is deep. Yeah, you kind of have to dig deep to to find this stuff. It's not super readily available. So I guess my biggest takeaway from this is that I need to appreciate Raw Digga more. Everybody else needs to appreciate Raw Digga more. I'm going to take it back to 13 Ghosts, and I'm going to ask you guys this. Do you know that Alanis Morissette is somehow in this movie? No way. Yes. Explain. There is another song in this movie it's actually a pretty good needle drop. It's in the middle of the movie. It's called Excess by Treaky, and she does vocals featuring Alanis Morissette. I remember that. Is that when they're like oh. driving yeah, to the house? Yeah, which actually mm. I remember when it when it played on the movie. I was like, damn, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the vibes of this song. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, spooky, spooky. Yeah, scary. but she, uh, she does backup vocal and check out the the chorus section. I remember that needle drop and sort of being like, okay, here we go. Yeah, that's when that's when what's her face? Uh, what's her name? Kalina is like looking up things and like in that library and like grabbing the book of spells mm-hmm. and shit yeah and then it leads into them going to the house yeah. right yeah. yeah apparently take it for what it is alanis morissette showed up to the studio record with tricky he had nothing written up hit <laughs> it up on the spot <laughs> one you day. have alanis yeah, coming in and you're not prepared that's what i thought too it's just like man like man 
Okay, I think it's that time. Let's do answerable questions. Woo! First up, seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? Hiram, you're up first. Uh, the first seven seconds. The first seven seconds and like the the chorus of like, Mira, Mira, on the wall. I'm like, okay, yeah. I can get behind this. This is fun. Mira, Mira, on the wall. Who will survive? Who'll be next to fall? It might be today. It might be tomorrow. So until I get the call, I'm going to say I did it all. I get so thrown off by like the instrumentation of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> like it's, it's so <laughs> new and weird to me. So I think that's the one that like sticks in my brain. So I'm going to go with that. Paolo, what's your seven seconds? You know what? I did not win with the beginning. It was tempting. I finally did something else. Not the beginning. Okay. They didn't win with the chorus either. Could have could have done that. I went with this part. Whatever else come, digger, digger, put our all in. At this point, I figure any path I'm at, whether sing, rap, act, or just fade to black. Now. Again, I just really like the cadence there where there is sing rap mm. act i can play to and then fade to black now like i don't know and then i also like the digga digga yeah i found it a little bit hard to find seven seconds in this song because it didn't feel like there was a big standout moment that really got me excited uh unlike mm -hmm. basically any other raw digga song that we've played on this podcast so far so i just chose the mm -hmm. chorus because it it's a bit of an earworm. Like, I could see myself kind of bopping around to that. Favorite lyric. Each host sheds light on their favorite lyrics. Hiram, what are yours? I think when she talks about taking her daughter to Disneyland or yeah. Toys R Us. I, I, yeah. yeah. I think, because it's just like, it's, <laughs> I think it's just so weird in the context of like the movie. <laughs> and so it's like, you see people just get brutally like murdered by ghosts. And then you hear Raw Digga being like, I'm going to take my girl to Disneyland and Toys R Us. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> you just get completely well, like. This movie off is by about it. family. So <laughs> it's about, I don't know. it's about family. It's yep. about family. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just so funny just being like, just like, yeah, I'm going to be a good mother. <laughs> just in the, in the, in the greater scheme of this movie. It just, it, it doesn't make sense, but I, I just love it. Cause I'm like, it just seems very much like a, like a to-do list. Like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, you know? And it seems like things that, like, wouldn't be that much fun for a, a, a parent. Like, yeah, I want to take my fucking kid to, to Disneyland. I'm going to take my kid to <laughs> Toys R Us. Like, yeah, you know, because, you know, I got the money, so I'm going to give her whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Paolo, what's your favorite lyric? I don't know if this is cheating. You guys will tell me. I kind of have the whole song, the whole non-chorus, like all the verses. I can't really like pick that's them out. Like I know that I know that that's a lot and I can't really like just like pick a spot. I think as a whole, again, once I saw it on paper, I really like what she was doing here. And now knowing sort of how her career trajectory, I kind of think like I try to think about maybe this song it's sort of like I can see her being at a point of like, look, I just came out with my feature debut album, my solo debut album. I'm doing a Hollywood movie. I'm here in Vancouver shooting where they shoot it. Sort of like the world is my oyster kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think she's just putting like she's doing some really good storytelling and just putting all those feelings to be sort of like 
just thinking about tomorrow and what's what's the next move and again if we're talking about that second album all the things that happen but just sort of like she says a little bit like whether it pans out or not i'm good anyway it struck a chord with me because even at that moment where she just might be thinking about the prospect of becoming like a really commercial commercially successful she's still holding on to her connection with like the underground scene and in her influences and the things that she like aspired to be in, in the art form. And it's like, man, that's cool. Like even, you know, even when she's dreaming of big things, she's, she's still like, but still like being, being who I am right now, pretty fucking solid. And I don't know. I, I just, I like I, I honestly like the whole, the whole song. My favorite lyrics were not as thoughtfully chosen. I'm sorry to say. Um, mine was, <laughs> the choice is yours. I'm gonna do my bit. Because everybody dies, but not everybody lives. That, wow, so true, Bestie. So, I mean, just the connection back to the the ghost part of the movie with the live, dead and living. And, and also, I think it's a good sentiment. Oh, I was just going to say that I love the, like, that, that moment in like, not, like early alt-rap songs where it's just like, it's tied up in the end. It's like, so the moral of the story is blah, yeah, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. So whenever they say the moral of the story, <laughs> I'm it, like, yeah, what's, I, tell me, tell me, I want to know. It's that's a true. Trope. I love it. No, it's true. That's definitely mm. a, a product of the time. Hall of Fame mm. moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie or song? It can be a person, a studio, a film, music genre, whatever you want. Hiram, do you have any? Like my, I got, I got kind of like two answers. Yeah. It's like, it's Matthew Lillard, of course, because he's just like, this is this is this is peak Lillard time. This is the hour of Lillard. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got Scream, he's got this, he's gonna have Scooby Doo. He's he he's doing he's living his best life. But I feel like my other answer would be like averageness. Because <laughs> 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 the movie is perfectly the movie's perfectly fine. The the mu the, the song at the end, you know, Roddick is amazing, but I feel like the song uh, is just fine. Um, the story was just fine. The performances were just fine. So I think everything just like averageness was like, it was like, this movie was a, was a tribute to the God of averageness. <laughs> and um, you don't, you don't really see anything that's just average anymore. Everything's always just like good or bad. <laughs> and this reminds, it, it just, it makes me miss like when you could just go see a dumb movie and just like not have to think. Cause when I was watching the movie, I was like, Man, I'm not having a single fucking thought except the fact <laughs> I'm not having a thought right now. <laughs> so I give it up to averageness. Had a great time. Love at, it. At, at, yeah. My Hall of Fame moment is kind of related to Hiram's. It's Hall of Fame moment for hard work not paying off because we watched <laughs> this behind the scenes featurette of how long the people playing the ghost. <laughs> had to sit in the makeup chair like they were coming oh, in at no. like four in the morning they were getting the makeup taken off at like 10 30 at night and then they just sleeping also, in a trailer honestly and then they had to figure out how to shoot logistically within this glass house because there's lights everywhere there's cameras there's crew and you can oh see God. everything and there's a reflection on every surface. So they really had to jump through hoops to try to figure out how to film this movie without any of that, you know, breaking the illusion, any of that showing up on screen. And it's just like the amount of work that went into this very 
average movie. It just like feels like yeah. a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad now. I know. I look back I know. on it. God, <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I totally, totally did not think about how hard it would be to film in a glass fucking house. Yes. Oh, yeah. Me. Like they were even saying that uh, anyone who was on set had to be dressed in black from head to toe so that you wouldn't accidentally be seen through one of the walls. Like they really went, they did the most for this. And it's just too bad that like I this can, was the result. <laughs> I can already yeah. I can already imagine that PA who got yelled at for not wearing black, but even though no one sent him any information because he's a PA and they just blame him, like <sighs> Yeah, yeah, oh, like Converse. He's like, oh fuck, no. <laughs> oh man. Remix with today's current artists or bands. Who would you choose to perform this song if the movie came out today? Hiram, do you have any picks? Danny Brown. Danny Brown for sure. Oh. Just because I want to hear him say mirror, mirror. <laughs> <laughs> mirror, mirror. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I just love his voice. I think I think Danny Brown would do something really fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Danny Danny Brown and Rod Digga like collaborating on doing the song again for a, for a more um, contemporary audience mm -hmm. would slap. Nice. So that's my choice. <laughs> Paolo, how about you? I already mentioned it during the pod, but based on all my like horror core research and everything, Tyler the Creator. Oh, um, great! Pick. I think mm -hmm. I would like him to then lean a little bit into the horrorcore elements, although it sounds like he will not. And <laughs> and yeah, I think I think he could make like a good a good song to fit. You know, I think he could give a little horrorcore to this song. And he's worked oh. on like soundtracks a bunch of times anyway, so that's a that's a solid fit. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could steal so, yours. I I just said Lil Nas X because I felt like he would have fun with a ghost movie, but it's 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 a little of yeah. an inspired pick. Yeah, I'll I'll cop to it. <laughs> WTF? A moment from the movie or song that you think might have needed a second opinion? Whew, I'm pretty sure we could be here all day, but <laughs> Hiram, what are you? Yeah. Um, I think it's just the second half of the movie when we get to the, you know, spoiler alert, when like Kalina shows up and is like working with Cyrus and the kids are there. And then there's this whole thing about like, is Cyrus dead? Is he alive? It's the, the it has like the same like it suffers from the same thing that Rocky Horror Picture Show does. Where it's like it's so much fun in the first half. Mm. By the time the second half comes over, you feel like you're just like drunk or high. You're like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it just it just doesn't make any sense. So the entire second half of the movie, to me, is the big what the fuck. I feel you. <laughs> Paolo. I have 13 of them. And I'm going to list them out. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I don't. Uh, They're all ghosts. WTF for the amount of freelancers who die at the opening of this film. <laughs> like, dang. What a tough gig. Like, he just, Salieri just doesn't give a shit about the work, man. So many people just died in that fucking junkyard. And for what? Like, for what? For a ghost. For, for an average-looking ghost. Yeah. So, I mean, shout-out to the freelancers. You know, they need, they need representation. And they got to pay taxes. At the end of that, they got to, like, put, a, put away a quarter of their earnings from ghost hunting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what do you got? I just realized you called him Salieri. <laughs> yeah, he plays Salieri on Amadeus. I know, I know. I just realized that. <laughs> I always call him Salieri and everything. Even in oh, Mystic man. Quest on Apple TV Plus, I'm like, hey, Salieri. <laughs> Salieri. Ah, Salieri. <laughs> okay. That's how I am with Paul Giamatti. I'm like, oh, it's, it's Marty Wolf from Big Fat Liar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my I have two that are kind of related. So WTF, that guy in the opening who's like fighting for ghost rights, who calls catching ghosts <laughs> akin to slavery. Like, I OK, I don't even want to broach that. He'd do so well on Twitter. He would do his Twitter would do numbers today. <laughs> honestly, honestly. And um uh, yeah, he must have hated Ghostbusters. Like, he would have a lot to say yeah. on that topic. <laughs> Ghostbusters is problematic, okay? Yeah. You're going to cancel Ghostbusters. <laughs> and um, since since we're on him, WTF, the, the woman fighting for ghost rights, who actually, surprise, is not fighting for ghost rights and is just, like, super into the ghost capturing guy, like, romantically? What yeah. is this storyline? Like Has she's a hundred percent uncle. Yeah, she's a hundred percent there for exposition, and I don't like I don't get it. Like, mm. what is your deal? Yeah, the twist in this movie, the two twists were really stupid. Hair that she's like working for the bog guy, and also like the the, the fact that Salieri's not dead. Mm-mm. I was like, yeah, that's, so he's... that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work you put in to keep up this like scheme that you're not dead even like so he just acts like a ghost when he sees people and you're like oh they think i'm dead i just like (laughs) well yeah so there's that moment when tony shalhoub is like okay i'm ready to sacrifice myself and then he (laughs) and slowly takes the glasses off and then realizes he can still see him so surprise he's not dead after all he's just been dressed in like his fake blood outfit for seemingly days now. Like, I, I don't understand. And he, and he just stands there. Like, the, the bad guy just stands there. Like, he doesn't, like, he's not like, oh, fuck, he figured it out. He's like, I'm, I'm just going to stand here and look intently at Tony Shalhoub. And then Tony Shalhoub's like, I'm like, going to kill the- you. <laughs> I mean, I can see, I can see, this guy has such a hard on for ghosts. I can see he's like, no, no, I got a better idea. I'm going to pretend to be a ghost. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put some blood on me. I want to be a ghost, too. Ugh. It was just doing the most like this couldn't have been plan A, right? Like it was like, like <laughs> it, this sh- it got way too convoluted anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that the, the lawyer also the lawyer that has the weirdest, like most oh, untrusting that, face I've ever seen. That death was pretty rad. Uh, though. I, I just I saw the lawyer. That was yeah. And then Raw Jacob being like, did the lawyer split? It was like, ah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Oh, and, and when the lawyer has like, shows the video of like the uncle being like, hello, I'm dead. This is a totally non-sketchy offer. And like the wallpaper on the, on the lawyer's like laptop is just like the most like horrible, like, like hell faces. Like, evil stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You would think he would have like, not the grim face of death as his background to like make it look more appealing. <laughs> Is this a car song? No one can define it, but everyone knows it when they hear it. Is this a song to listen to in the car? Hiram, what do you think? No, 
No, it is not a car song. It is there's there's no characteristics that make it a car song at all. The only way this could be a car song is if your family is really, really into 13 Ghosts. Like it's a cold <laughs> film in your family, and you drive, you're like, oh, play the 13 Ghosts song. Let's go. This is a three-hour drive. Then yes, in that case. Other than that, there's nothing about it that makes it a car song. So no, hard no for me. I would say maybe like because then you can do like the you can look through the mirror the visor what's it called <laughs> and then you get into a car accident and you become the 14th <laughs> exactly yeah i don't know no musically no i don't think it's a car song yeah no i said hard pass on this one it has no overt car song qualities like i guess yeah again if you're a huge fan no. sure go for it but no not a car song Will the song go on? Will the song live on and continue to be part of pop culture? Yeah, I don't. We barely, we didn't even know it existed. No, it's, no, it didn't so even, it wasn't even all. part of pop culture in the first place. And like, that's fine. I think Raw Digga deserves way more props than anyone currently gives her, but not, not for this one. Yeah. Try another one. Yeah, absolutely. Raw Digga will go on, but this song, no. Yeah, agreed. Well, I think that wraps us up on Mirror Mirror by Raw Digga for 13 Ghosts. Hiram, thank you so much for joining us again. (laughs) Thank you you for having me. Please keep assigning me the the dregs, (laughs) if you will. I will continue to watch them at 11 p.m. the night before on my laptop with being kind of baked <laughs> what if what if next time we reach out and be like hey you want to do a song for ben-hur something like that we're like complete opposite. oh my god yeah you gotta watch ben-hur it's like uh what is dr shivago that's what yeah thank you for having me it's always always so much fun sorry i feel like i didn't have a lot of information on raw dick i saw i thought like a lot of me were just like yeah yeah. <laughs> That's totally fine. I promise yeah, one day that. we'll let you pick a song, but you know, one no, day. I don't want to pick. I want, okay. <laughs> I want ones that nobody wants. Okay, perfect. That's, 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 the, that's my only way, my only condition to be on this show is that nobody wants these songs and Amazing. I will be the foster home for them. Okay, I'll, you got what's it. What's that saying? The, the, uh, is it the Statue of Liberty? Man's trash? No, no, the, I'll take your discarded and like, uh, oh yeah, bring me your your hungry, discarded, your <laughs> rejected songs. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Paolo. Thank you as always for going on this. No, journey yeah, with thank us. you so for driving. Woo. Yeah, Woo. No Rob. All right, well, we'll see you in the next one. I could say goodbye. <laughs> The Song Will Go On is written, researched, and produced by Safi Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Safi Matano and Paolo Grassini. The Song Will Go On is a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube. Gigawatts!